Welcome to episode four of Tell Me About the Podcast. This week we follow on from business plans to talk about financial structures of businesses. Something to consider whilst writing your plan. We hope you enjoy. Let's just think about different types of businesses for a moment and and what their what the structure of their finances could be. There are, to my mind, three different types that are worthy of consideration. There are many, many others, but just these three might help to highlight some very important structural differences between business by type. The first would be what I call a personal services business. For example, a graphic designer, uh, an architect, uh, an accountant, looking to set up their own practice probably from home in the first instance, an ambition to grow it out, hire people, extend their customer base, extend their services range. But fundamentally, personal service delivered by one person to another person or a business. This type of business has very low, if any, fixed overheads. By that I mean obligations that are entered into for a minimum period of time at a fixed cost, such that if you needed to stop pursuing your startup, you've still got to pay those costs. That's a fixed overhead within your business. Personal services companies have very little or no fixed overheads. They will have reasonably strong cash flow because they'll be collecting cash a little up front during the delivery of the service and a little bit at the end. And they're working under contract with each customer. So they have they have the benefit of contractual relationships to enforce obligations to pay particularly amongst other things. Compare that to a class of startup I would call reseller. And here I'm thinking of something like an online intermediary, a contract catering company, an organization that's going to have some fixed overheads. They might need some premises and they might need some equipment or vehicles, but it's a relatively low cost within their business. Cash is flowing largely up front, certainly during the delivery of services, and they have a high direct cost. And by that, I mean that a lot of the costs within their business are only expended when a sale is made. So, for example, the contract catering company won't be hiring serving staff, won't be buying food, fuel for barbecues or grills, um, etc., unless it's got a contract to deliver a catering service. Its overheads might be the premises that sit empty waiting for them to start cooking something in, and it might be the van that's parked outside waiting to take food to uh, an event or pick up staff or whatever the case may be. But the vast majority of those costs related to each individual contract that they deliver on are only incurred in the delivery of the contract. That's why they're called direct costs. Comparing then personal services providers with resellers, the third category that it's important to look at would be retailer. So here I'm thinking of a high street store or cafe, let's say. Here we have very high fixed overheads. Before we can make our first sale of a greeting card or a cup of tea or whatever it is that we sell, we've got to have acquired premises entered into a fixed term lease at a fixed cost. We've got to have fitted out our store 
We've got to have promoted our offer and we've got to have put all of the necessary technologies in place and we will have had to invest it in stock. Cash only flows at the point of a sale. There's no cash comes in unless we make a sale of whatever the product is that our shop is selling. There are no contracts. There's no minimum income we can expect. We just have to spend a lot of money, open the doors, and if our business plan is correct, expect the customers to walk in and make the tills ring. So I hope that helps and takes the listener off on their own journey to think about some of the differences in those three broad brush categories of startup company. Uh, And you'll know which type you fit into. And it's not intended to suggest that you might dilute your ambition Um, and therefore cut back your business plan to achieve your startup's foundations. What would happen if um, you started as a online seller? For example, you have an Etsy store and that goes really well and then you have a physical store after that. Would you have to do another business plan or does the Etsy store where you have obviously then enough cash to start physical store help that make sense? I don't have any direct experience of that but I would say that they are two completely different business models. Um, If your Etsy store was so successful that you had taken premises uh, in which you had people producing the things that your Etsy store is selling or where you're holding stock that you're buying in bulk, that you're breaking up into smaller packages to resell on Etsy, then you've got some of the components that you'll require for your high street store. But more often than not, online retailers who work in the space of eBay or Etsy or whatever will be typically working from home and they will need to, I think, plan from the start how they're going to go about transitioning to the high street. Of course, many Etsy resellers already have high street facilities and the move the other way is very easy and that may not need business planning per se. If you've got a successful store and you want to go online with an offer as well as perhaps your own e-commerce offer on your website also have outlets like Etsy I think that's fairly straightforward to my mind that's just a natural day-to-day piece of work the owner manager would do comes under the working on heading which we'll come on to in a later podcast but I think moving the other way going from a purely an online presence where your market could be very widely distributed to a high street presence where you've got to be sure that there's a market within 15, 20, 30 minute drive or that there's a transient business market of consumers that will walk through the doors. I think that's a significant shift in the business and and ideally should be guided by a new business plan. I also suspect that there's a reasonable chunk of cash needed to make that jump from an online store to a high street presence. And so the business plan will always be required where funding is needed. Remember, the only time I've suggested that a business plan could be avoided if you really wanted it and certainly dealt with on a more informal, casual, superficial basis is if you're self-funding. But the moment that you feel you've got to talk to family and friends or to professional investors, you're going to need a business plan in any event. So I think the funding implications of making that change will take you down a business planning route. Coming back then to the financial plan, let's talk a little bit about some of the big chunks that need to go in there. The expenditure through the startup phase falls into two categories. 
one-off expenses and expenses that you start to incur that you expect to recur over time, be that monthly, weekly, quarterly, whatever. One-off expenses will be around prototyping, product development, market testing, product launch. If you will, the aspects of the work you've got to do to actually get the engine of your startup turning over. Each of those needs to be thought through, a cost worked out, and the time scale over which that cost is to be incurred so that that can be plotted into the spreadsheet. Prototyping may take three months and may cost £30,000, in which case you might start with that being £10,000 a month for three months needed. It might be that the prototyping is going to be contracted out and the person you're contracting out to requires an upfront payment of £15,000 and then final payment of £15,000 upon satisfactory delivery, in which case you've got two milestones of payment at day one and at day 90. Understand how you're going to be incurring these one-off costs and plot them accurately in your spreadsheet over time. Once you've got the engine started, and by that I'm going to assume we've now got a product that has been finished in terms of its development and that has been market tested and you've launched it, so you're now in the phase of starting to to attract first revenues. Here then we have costs that will fall into three different categories and if you can remember back to my three different types of business this will cross-refer. The first type of cost that you're going to incur will be any direct costs. Can you give another example of a direct cost? Let's take a florist and let's consider that they have received an order for wedding flowers highly specific choices of colour and type of bloom, and they're going to deliver that on a particular date. Now they've got that order and have probably received at least a good proportion of the cost up front. They then go off and buy the relevant flowers just in time to make the bouquets and arrangements to deliver on the given date. They wouldn't buy the flowers if they didn't have the contract to deliver the bouquets, buttonholes, etc. And therefore that's a direct cost. They only incur it because they have an order to fulfil. They wouldn't incur that cost if they didn't have any orders. The next type of cost that we're going to need to, to look at closely in our finance plan are, are fixed overheads. Think leases, leases of premises, leases of cars. Agreements that you enter into where there is a fixed amount of money to be paid probably on a monthly basis for a minimum term, say three years, five years, whatever it might be. And it doesn't matter if you sell anything or not. It doesn't matter what stage your business is at. Those costs relating to those leases are fixed into your business and will be required to be paid in any event. You've got to minimise your fixed overheads. You've got to think closely about the business plan and the needs of the business to only bring those fixed overheads into your plan at the point at which you can be sure you're going to be able to cover them by revenues. The third category of expenses, variable overheads. And if we've understood the difference between a direct cost and a fixed overhead, variable overheads should be fairly straightforward. This will be things like marketing, um, choosing how much money you're going to spend on that each month, but the choice is yours as to how much or how little to spend. Um, to a certain extent, staffing, although in this day and age, I think staffing should be thought of as a fixed overhead 
for two reasons. One is in some parts of the world, particularly the UK at the moment, it can be very difficult to hire and fire at will as the needs of your business dictate. And more importantly, I do countenance that if you're going to hire somebody to fill a role, you make sure before you do it that that role is imperative. And every time you hire someone into your business as it grows, make sure every role is carefully framed and imperative. We'll talk more about staff and team development uh, in due course. Once you've got all of those costs planned in, I think there's only one last thing to take account of, and we touched on that earlier with your question about costs rising, and that would be contingencies, making reasonable allowances for the things you can't anticipate, but you know things are going to come up that are going to cost you money. So a general contingencies allowance that is sensible and reasonable needs to be in there as well. All of those costs are the ones that are going to get the engine moving forwards, and are recurring. So once you can see what those costs are, they're going to sit in the spreadsheet on a month-to-month basis. So after you've looked closely at your direct costs, fixed costs, your variable costs, and made an allowance for contingencies, at this stage, finally, you can make some estimate of your revenues. When do you think you're going to make your first sale of your product? In what quantity? And understanding what you've said about price earlier on within your business plan, some simple maths will get you to the amount of income that's coming in for each one of those sales which you're making. Don't forget, if you've got direct costs in your business, every time a sale is clicked on the top line, you've got to include a corresponding amount of direct costs going out at that line in your spreadsheet. But otherwise, now's the time to get brave and realistic about when you think your business is going to start receiving revenue and how that revenue could grow. Don't look at the bottom line, which currently will be showing big negative numbers. Don't think that you've got to make sales by this period of time because that's the amount of money that you've got and you can't afford more. There's a totally unrealistic basis on which you're going to first get revenues into your business. Be honest with yourself, create the most accurate model you can and then look at the implications. Once you've got the revenue side of the spreadsheet clear, The bottom line will now show you what your negative cash flow looks like and the point at which that starts to stabilize, which is the bit we're interested in, where cash becomes neutral. We're receiving as much cash as we need to be spending on a monthly basis. And after that, we'd be in the build phase and where we would expect to see some cash building up as profits start to come through. But that's for another day. So right now, you're going to need to look at that bottom line and decide whether the amount of negative cash that's built up is affordable or not. If it isn't, now you can go back and start to manipulate the cost-based first of all. Maybe you could prototype for £10,000, not £30,000. And maybe you could find somebody who would take their £10,000 plus a little bit extra over the first 100 sales of your product. That gets a lot of cash straight out of the expense side of your your model. Maybe you could do more yourself in the early days and defer the luxury of that first hire that you were planning to make and take that part of your costs out. Don't 
bring your revenues forward unless you've got solid grounds on which you think you're going to be able to make sales earlier than you first predicted. Typically, that's an unreasonable thing to do. What you need to be doing is manipulating the costs to find a way of getting to the point of revenue at a lower cost base such that the total cash your business needs is reduced to within your expectations of your self-funding or your ambitions of your borrowing. Thank you for listening to episode four of Tell Me About the Podcast. Let me know if you have any questions following this episode by leaving a message or commenting on our Instagram at tellmeaboutpod or our website tellmeaboutpod.com. Please like, follow and review to help us build our audience. We'll be back next Tuesday where Dad will be talking about plan, fix, do.